Hello, and welcome to the Two Medics podcast. My name is Thrushkan Wardner. I'm a cardiology registrar specialising in intervention. And hello, I'm Beth and John. I'm a GP trainee specialising in everything and nothing. Nice. Yeah, I know. That's my new thing. We should introduce our sponsors at scrubs underscore UK. That's S-C-R-B-S underscore UK. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter. I know they're definitely available on those socials. They design scrubs for professionals in the clinical settings, doctors, allied health professionals, vets, carers. They're designed to put you in scrubs. That's why it's S-C-R-B-S. Um, they make comfortable, durable, they're really practical scrubs, and they look great. They've got a new range coming out. I'm not sure if it's out just yet. Do pay attention. And when they do, please do feel free to use the two medics promo code. So that's T-W-O-M-E-D. ICS 10 to get 10% off. Treat yourself, remember? Treat, Treat yourself. yourself. Do you think, so I'm having a bit of a tie-dye obsession at the moment. Do you think they'd be interested in making like a bespoke tie-dye range? Is that something that you oh, can wow. try and like wangle with them, do you reckon? Well, have words. I'll have words and see. Yeah, go on. Do you think, what colours would, what colour scheme would you go for though? Because obviously in the clinical setting, or do you just, you happy with any tie-dye? Yeah, I just, I'm just enjoying, I love a rainbow, multicolour yeah, print. Yeah. I wouldn't mind like a pastel rainbow. Beggars can't oh. choose us, but just have a little word. Yeah, fine. T- tie-dye on the table, see how it's received. Yeah, I'll put yeah. it out there. They're very receptive. They're good. They're a good team. Some things to talk about, obviously. That's just why a few. We're doing this. <laughs> just a few. Thank you so much for putting up with me and recording for me late. We're recording this a little bit later in the week because I flopped because I started my new job. And a few hiccups are being tested for TV and stuff because I give off TV vibes and that's been a bit stressful. <laughs> but actually TV the funny vibes. thing is TV vibes, standard. And, but it's the induction that has taken loads out of me. I don't know about you, but I find that more taxing than like an encore shift, just sitting through yeah. moving and handling when they're asking you questions. So what is, do you, what do you answer some of these questions that they were expecting us to answer? And the thing was, is that when we weren't answering them, they're like, it's not hard, guys. And we're like, so what's a load? Can you tell me what a load is? A load. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try and think of the manual handling version. Oh, yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I assume a load is like the weight of an object that someone must carry. I don't know. It is, yeah. But I think it's a bit of a weird way to talk about patients. But yeah, essentially, that's what it was. Oh, is that, was, that ref, was that referring to people? Yeah, it was so weird. That's so it was, tight. It, was, it literally was 45 minutes long. And I get that it's an important thing because they don't want people to have back pain and stuff and safety transfer patients. But that could have been an e-learning module, surely. So stuff like that. And by the end, so I had my induction Wednesday and Thursday when we met. But when we spoke on Thursday evening, I was like, oh, just, I'm all talked out. And so yeah, here we are no, on Saturday evening. That's enough. But talking about induction, though, I, when I started my psych job recently, we, everyone was telling me, oh, the psych induction, it's brilliant. It's really well organized. This Excel spreadsheet came through, find your name. And it, it told me which day where I had to go. Because I think right. where I'm working is like one of the biggest mental health trusts in the UK. So it's a really big area. So the inductions are all like little satellite places. So my first day, the first Wednesday of August, it just said breakaway training in some random industrial park. I was like, okay, I had no information about it. I guess with hindsight, I could have guessed what breakaway was, but turned up to this industrial park, was led up to this massive room that was padded 
in every single dimension that you could think of, which they termed the gym. And there was about 30 people, like all there for induction. So it was a mixture of like foundation doctors, GP trainees, and then specialist psych trainees. And they were like, oh, this is your like personal safety training. Why are you what? all dressed in like business? Why are you all dressed in smart clothes? We were like, we never got any memo to say, bring your gym clothes or anything. Yeah. And then I spent the next eight hours like wrestling colleagues, throwing them them against the wall. Yeah. Pretending to strangle them. And it was just like, considering I had never met these doctors before in my life. We were, there was that so like awkwardly polite. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to grab you, grab your neck that hard. (laughs) I'm really sorry to crush that windpipe. (laughs) And you're talking like jujitsu stuff. That's so oh, weird. I'd love it that. It was so funny. It was absolutely hilarious. They should, yeah. Inductions for medregers should have stuff like that, shouldn't they? For like when you oh, get gosh. a terrible referral, like, girl, like p- how p- to do a chunk pigeon slam. handling, yeah, chunk slamming yeah. colleagues. Yeah, but oh wow, isn't that that's so standard in Asia? In the same way, I didn't know where I was going, and I messaged one of my other colleagues who's starting the, uh, the, um, at the same time, and she's super chill about this, apparently, anyway. And she messaged me being like, yeah, we're just going to go to the main hospital for eight o'clock. And I was like, where have they told you that? And she's like, no, that's what I was going to do. And I was like, okay. And then at seven o'clock in the evening, the day before the induction, we get this email being like, you have to turn up here at eight o'clock and whatever. And it was just a joke. Oh, Classic anyway. office hours, isn't it? It was. Yeah. I got there and nobody was there to let me in. So I stood outside. It was of course. Just crazy. But anyway, of course. glad it's done. I'm sure the rest of the job will be way easier. But Yay. anyway, <laughs> do you want to introduce the first tweet that you put in which is about touching yeah i love this i feel like i feel a bit of a hypocritical because i am quite a tactile person but i guess not in this sense baby so this is a really good public announcement i reckon so this was a tweet from the 1st of september at 12 33 p.m by a gp whose handle is at underscore irvin underscore malik and dr malik said when going to see your gp you don't need to touch them to show them where the pain is. Pointing to the area on yourself would suffice. Now, I need to know what yeah, happened for him to tweet this. <laughs> what kind of clinic was that? Yeah. There's a backstory to that, isn't there? There definitely There's gotta is. There's got to be. A murky. It's odd. I, the, one of my favorite, that kind of tweet in itself, it tells you a story without really telling you exactly the story, right? But I love how with Twitter and social media that there's always someone who'll take the stick and then they'll just, they're just so far from the wrong end of it. It's just so bonkers. Totally. But, do you see one of the replies? It's just like, I know doctors exactly, used to yeah. use touch. They used to use touch to detect EG, bowel problems, masses, blockages, hernias, internal problems, transferred pain, etc. And to pick up on worries. Worries? What? changes in appearance and other unsaid concerns please see patient outside of a home where they may be in danger and then hashtag and the hashtag is patients before profit what the hell is she replying to i have no idea that is a one woman crusade into something that none of us understand no one else is privy to that information i just just, uh, it was very enlightening which is quite a diplomatic way to put it i think and clearly there's been some sort of trigger there, but you're right. It's that, it's every time you tweet something, isn't it? It's that what aboutism or what about this? What about that? But I, I particularly enjoyed Tom Ellul's reply. So I was in university with Tom and he's a urologist now. And his reply oh, right. just simply said, as a urologist, I agree with this. 
I don't know who's been yeah. fondling poor Tom. Yeah. Oh God, he's yeah, he's seen some things. It did make me think of that. There's a song, isn't there, that push me and then just touch me, and that's all I had going in my head after that. Yeah, but no. I didn't. Satisfaction. Satisfaction. Yeah. And I replied with that's that. Going back. It, yeah, it is. Oh, I'll have to. I'll have to do that thing where I retrospectively give you a like a week later. Oh, thank you. That's all I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did that um, a little off the top, didn't we? It just made the world a difference. Oh yeah, I still remember. I've already forgot. I've already moved on from that trauma. Thanks. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> so obviously, there are lots of kind of important topics that we wanted to put in, and some are more medical than others. One that I thought was interesting in, in a wider context was. I've been seeing a lot of stuff, especially from Tory, especially from boomers. And it's usually about national service. Like, you know, these kind of like old guys, you have a, a fetish for people taking up compulsory national service and they act like they did, it, even though it was their parents' generation that participated in the war and the blitz and whatever. And they're always like, my dad was in the blitz. And they always talk about their dad being in the blitz. And it's, but that doesn't mean you by extension were in the blitz. But anyway, they're yeah. more than happy for their children's generation to seek national, to observe national service. And I just thought it was really interesting. There's a tweet from Helen Lewis who said, to be honest, young people pretty much did do national service recently by being shut up in halls at university or unable to celebrate the end of school with their friends or to stop them spreading a virus, which was very unlikely to kill them, but very dangerous to the old. And I think people, the way that kind of people have spoken about young people now as being entitled and iPads and this kind of attitude towards them. And you think about that huge sacrifice that they made and the repercussions of it. People are talking now about undiagnosed cancers just simply because they didn't want to like burden healthcare or yeah. kind of just just simply the effects on mental health and we know that kind of it's not like there wasn't a mental health crisis before COVID but certainly afterwards the isolation and things we know had a detrimental effect and then we're seeing speech delay in children it's just it's bonkers really yeah um, it's a lot isn't it and I think it's yeah because just using that example alone talking about like halls at university and stuff like these young people were so far away from home potentially mm. families in other countries let alone elsewhere in the UK yeah and I know it's people probably would frame it as oh well they're with their mates and stuff but I'm not sure stuff like that's enough for actually what happened and it's that like you say it's that boomer thing isn't it because it's so contradictory I feel like our country does a real dirty on young people and mm. I feel like we should give them so much more credit. And it's always like everything's blamed on young people, isn't it? But this, another, one of the tweets in the thread that just says, Britain has completely betrayed its young people, most obviously by refusing to build enough houses to allow them to live near the places where jobs are without paying half their salary or more in rent. And I know that's just like one of many things, isn't it? But even like, I don't know, like I know I'm only mid thirties, but even when I think of like when I started work 10 years ago, how things were very, as a young professional, things were very yeah. different now. You, you think about some of the F1s and what we read on Twitter and stuff about trying to find places to live in that. It's just, it's scary. It's mad, isn't it? Mm. Just think about like how much, as if, it's not as if the money hasn't been there. I was reading, there was a article today about the Nightingale beds. Did you see that they cost £2,500 per bed, right? They're selling them for a fiver now. Yeah, like, I was. I think I, I think I put that. I think I mentioned that somewhere because I was like, "Oh my gosh, actually, I can." Oh, I can it just, must have been. Yeah. I could just afford three nightingale beds from the coat that I sold <laughs> on Vinted. So I'll just go and get three <laughs> hospital beds for the lols. 
yeah. Oh, there must be. Literally, I'm like, oh yeah, this article I come across. No, there's loads of no, there's loads of articles about it because I think there's loads yeah. of people saying that they tried to procure things at the time and was on the knowledge that actually, like the Nightingale hospitals were not, like they, but they they were open, but they weren't being utilised, and this was like at no, the time, yeah. and people tried to procure some of the stuff, and it they were just shot down, and then what two years later they're selling like a, a Hillstrom bed with all the adjustments that you could ever want yeah. for a cheeky fiver. Isn't it? And it's just, it just it blows my mind, really, that people can hold that in the memory. Or maybe they don't. Or maybe that's a problem. Maybe people Selective, just need to remind it. Selective. Yeah, totally. And then be like, oh, actually, there's no money. It's, I'm not sure. There's a bit like, just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought kind of her point, Helen Lewis's point. So this is, these are all from tweets on September the 1st. And she said, it's completely nuts to me that as a country, there's simply no acknowledgement of what a sacrifice that generation made by keeping to COVID rules with barely a complaint. And we know that a lot of the Tories didn't. She said, she goes on to say, it's genuinely wonderful and heartwarming thing that young people wanted to protect their grandparents. Yeah, Sweet. absolutely. Kids are right, as they just say. Yeah. So more like general stuff, but did you see this, the consultation about ticket office closures? So these are for train tickets and they're going to be closing a whole load of, again, in it's the money measures. thing, is yeah, it's exactly it's the Tory money thing, and I've seen. I think Dame Tanny Gray Thompson has done a lot of tweets and stuff about this as a wheelchair user. But this particular thread was by uh, Katie Pennick from September the first, and she was just tweeting with regards to that the whole consultation was closing, um, and she's just said, "As the consultation on ticket office closures draws to an end, I've been reflecting on how disabled people are repeatedly asked to justify our own rights to largely." very fair point, non-disabled decision makers and how this power imbalance makes me feel. And she goes on to say that it's, again, it's cost cutting, but this is at the expense of disabled people's freedoms. It's going to curtail their rights and ability to travel. And it's boggling to me because when you think about it very basically, there shouldn't be any debate about that. Like it comes down to equality essentially, doesn't it? And discrimination because... You're just people are saying people who are disabled are saying that we need the ticket offices to remain open because if not, you take away our ability to travel. To then just say, sods about that, there's no money. Yeah, yeah. It's so disgraceful. Yeah, totally. I think the thing is, is that and that kind of point that she makes about having to make a case for their very existence. And as if they've they've got to be like, wait a second, this negatively impacts me. And I think it speaks to how a little of a present there must be of disabled people or advocates for disabled yeah. people or allies of disabled people in government that people have to pipe up and be like, here's all this evidence, which they'll still ignore anyway. But yeah. like, they haven't even considered it in the first place. Or if they've considered, they've just completely disregarded as important. not important. But it's just, it's just really sad, a bit isn't it? shit, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It and going on from that, there's another kind of like a dep- depressing, important news article which was in the on the BBC that kind of that mentioned about how young autistic people are still dying despite coroner warnings over care so there's a BBC news article what was that so that was on the article was only from two days ago I think oh gosh okay and so dozens of young autistic people have died after serious failings in their care despite repeated warnings BBC news has found and it's just Bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's and it's and again, it's like a lot. 
it's not none of this is new unfortunately and again that you just think of everything that's happened recently with the Lucy Letby stuff and things and just repeatedly so frequently we're just getting articles about all the failings of the government the health service the care system social services just fail people and obviously very rarely it is because of an individual person obviously we know it can happen but it's more the system isn't it and it's just that it just shouldn't happen and one one death due to these issues is too much isn't it but again it's that whole it feeds into that thing of for some reason certain kind of groups of people are thought of as lesser and seems to just be less kind of care and urgency and it's like people are expendable and Mm. you know when, when I was diagnosed with ADHD I don't know how I got onto this but I was reading something and it said about life expectancy for like neurodivergent people and I can't remember what the number was but just obviously looking at ADHD at the time the life expectancy for people with ADHD was like at least on average 10 years less than people who weren't diagnosed with autism and ADHD. And I never figured out why that was. It's not, I guess, there's something physical in your body, but it's, I think it's more to do with the fact that you're either like failed in terms of the help or support that you need. You might end up in then other, like more precarious situations, whether it's with addiction or risk-taking. It's all those kind of things. And I just thought yeah. for that to be such a statistically significant finding is actually quite alarming. Yeah, I wonder if part of it is the way that neurodivergent people may be perceived by healthcare as totally. more anxious or whatever, and that kind of miss the kind of the consistent misunderstanding of just slightly divergent behaviour kind of leads to worse health outcomes. But interestingly, in the article, it does say for people with aut- so uh, people with autism, on average, they live sixteen years less than their general population. And in the research, they identified five areas that have been flagged up for concern over the last decade anyway. So a lack of trained staff with an understanding of autism, failure to treat autism and mental health problems as two separate conditions, shortage of specialized accommodation, lack of health professionals to coordinate young people's care as recommended in NICE guidelines and late diagnoses. Just a few of the reasons, really. There was was an article I came across today, actually, on Twitter about a, a woman in New Zealand who has died, I think, at the age of 33, because everything that she was presenting with was put down by her doctors as being like functional or made up or brought on herself. And I, I don't know the, the details, but she had apparently Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and that was what oh, kind right. of led to her death directly. But for years was just told, like, oh, you're just harming yourself. And it's, it is that, I don't know, our profession has got a bloody long way to go still, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. I was reading something about IBS, oddly. And there's this was diagnosed with ADHD and then started to take started to take medications for it and she found that high IBS got better. I wonder about all the kind of different kind of systemic conditions that we might or the kind of things that we accept as just being. It is really interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. And that's the thing is that we know things like IBS, migraines, certain aspects of chronic pain and stuff have definitely like complexities rooted kind of anxiety and depression and we know obviously that comes with ADHD as well but yeah I think people don't give credit for like how complex and wide-ranging and bit of an enigma these things are but yeah, yeah, yeah god I'd love for my IBS to get better <laughs> yeah <laughs> that I know oh my god 
In fact, it's funny because I saw the articles, Joe brought it to me and she was like, look, this is you. And I was like, okay. That, there's a hidden agenda there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard, stop pooping, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think of the children. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that. That's almost word for word what she said. Yeah, she had a but word like, with me about it, actually. I was recommending it, how, how to go about it. <laughs> like an intervention. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But you know, one, one thing that might like help, uh, do I think, be robot penguins? I, well, I've been thinking this for quite some time, actually. Robot penguins. No, and I, I don't know why it took so long for people to like cotton on to that. The, the joy that they can bring. Do you want to explain what to our that's health about? Because I still don't really get it. It's pretty weird. Oh, lost you. Oh, I'm back. Ah, uh-huh. happened. I know. Do you want to explain what the kind of whole robot penguins thing is about? Because I'm still not really sure I can understand what the hell. And I think we're probably on the same page there, but from what I've noticed, I think this was like one of the first tweets that I for the podcast episode this week, because I was just mesmerized. I think last week we finished with the tweet from Steve Barkley saying, I'm not going to, I don't condone the junior doctor strikes that had just been announced before we recorded and how essentially just implying that there was, there's no money. This is a final offer. So then literally the next day. He tweets about how he wants to build on innovative work across the NHS to help improve efficiency, improve patient care and cutting weight in times. And he visited a company called At We Make AI to trial what is literally a robot penguin that is going to revolutionize, it's going to move medicines, it's going to move specimens, it's going to move clinical supplies, as if that's the issue with the NHS at the moment. And it's a lovely photo with a metallic green robotic penguin. Got to give him that. But yeah, what WTF, man. I know. I just, what, so there's a kind of little video, there's a little video clip, isn't there? Like of this penguin moving really slowly. <laughs> so slowly through that. Like, Pain. it stressed me. Yeah, it stressed me out watching it because I was like, if you got caught behind that penguin whilst it's moving along, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty angry moving that slowly. And they're like, oh, they use it to deliver medicines and whatever. And it just sounded like a complete, it did look very cute. Um, it's, it is cute. You know, when it's like those robot dog pet things came out, the cyber dogs yeah. in the late 90s or whenever it was, it, it feels like that kind of gimmick that yeah. this penguin can take a lab specimen to the lab in three hours, which the pod system, yeah. the pneumatic pod system that's been going since the 80s does that in a few yeah. seconds. Exactly. Do you think there are people out there who are like, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. They see... Everyone's striking, like the nurses were striking, physios were striking, radiographers were striking, doctors and consultants were striking. And they're like, okay, but these guys are, they're giving money to AI companies to make robot penguins. So they've got yeah, this of course, in hand. Man. That, it's all, that... it's gotta be for optics, isn't it? I, that's what very pessimistic me thinks. And it's that kind of, I don't know. It's, I think that it probably is an element of short-sightedness. There probably is an element of complete malicious intent, like a big fu middle finger. Look at this penguin I'm going to buy with all the money that you could have gone towards full pay restoration. But it's, and I think the whole, it's obviously not saying these guys, but the whole like tech bro culture as well and how people love to jump on that bandwagon. And it was the same with the currency and how yeah. people just wanted to be seen. It was a it was almost like, oh, look how modern we are. We know what we're talking about. But one of the hospitals, the children's hospital I used to work in, used to have these robots going around that would deliver things. So not 
shaped like a penguin, but I'm sure you could stick the same technology into the animal casing of your choice. But they were like little pallets with wheels and I don't know how they were controlled, but they would transport things and then they would go to certain lifts. But if I was rushing to get into a lift because I had to go to an emergency, the robot pallet thing had to go first because it didn't send. Oh, God. And it would stop if somebody was like in front of it, but then it would keep going. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm giving way to a bloody like motorized car that's just going around the hospital. God. But it's going to, obviously, it's going to make, it's just going to fix everything, isn't it? So It is. Isn't it apps that around the same time, so there's a tweet from Rachel Clark that talks about the ignominious, she's a great word, ignominious, ignominious, ignominious. Yeah, that's ignomin- ignominious. We like ignominous. it or whatever it is. We like yeah, it. collapse of Babylon Health, the, ther- the Theranos of digitized primary care that promised the world through AI and delivered abject failure. So wasn't this the kind of app where you could speak to a GP and basically coordinate your healthcare immediately and do the your phone and it's just rubbish. And there was, there's always like a person who's, yeah, I got it. Here's the inside. I just watched it waste a whole load of money from the inside. Here's my 12 tweets. Yeah, here's, here's the scoop. Here's the scoop. I'm verified on Twitter. So please follow me. I'm a guru kind of thing. Yeah. And just talks about how you need, it's just basically they talk about it's massive waste of money, didn't they? Really? Oh gosh, yeah. And I remember that coming onto the scene kind of thing. And it wasn't available everywhere, but it was, you're absolutely right. It was that whole thing. You can see a doctor anywhere you want. It was that little private type of thing as well about getting investigations and stuff. And then there was some things that I never really understood about how they were doing like outreach work in Rwanda or something like that. And it all was a bit like, is that to make themselves look good? Because this is obviously just, it felt like quite privatization and it just vibes. Yeah. But I just loved that Theranos reference because right. it just was giving like a little bit of an Elizabeth Holmes odor of promising the world. And there was from obviously what this guy who had worked there, it was just saying that it was a couple of Excel spreadsheets that were just like jammed together and the whole like Isn't neuro-linguistic programming element of detecting speech was like, it could, it could recognize that you were talking about your nose, but it couldn't like extend beyond that. So it's g- gimmicky, I think is the word I was looking for. Yeah. It did remind me, there's like this, um, we're going to refer- reference like a really old film called Shooting Fish that had Kate Beckinsale before she became famous, but it was this kind of like British movie. And they were going to various different companies pretending to have this like supercomputer, but it was essentially just like a brick and they'd like record responses <laughs> and do like a microphone in the computer. And it just, it gives the same kind of energy, like this kind of utter hubris and utter just bollocks. And yeah. rather than addressing the problems, I don't see why it's just so important for people to try and create some entire paradigm shift kind of thing when actually yeah. this because what what works and it's obviously the technology is still not there clearly because obviously we would be using it by now for all these things but it's just and it's that thing that goes to show isn't it like elizabeth holmes she talked the talk she literally dressed like steve jobs she deepened her voice so that she would sound more commanding and again it's all optics it's all appearance you've got enough money behind you you can convince people investors hedge fund people of literally anything. And these are meant to yeah. be like intelligent people. Like I begrudge to part with a fiver to do the Euro millions. And I'm like, no, there must be a con. <laughs> There's a con. It's something having me on. But then people are giving like billions to these companies. It's, it is. It's incredible. Yeah. 
Do you reckon they're like, I saw this, I saw this tweet from Fesshole where it was basically someone who's at the HMRC and they're saying that we know that a lot of, a lot of like, a lot of vape shops and barbers that are popping up are just money laundering businesses, but we just don't have enough like money to investigate them. And I wonder about the investments that go into these companies with like money to burn. I'm like, it must settle on bells. Yeah, yeah. I, ca- I came across this guy today on Twitter. I've never heard of him before, but his apparently his company, their like main like, USP is that they find businesses that are like dead businesses. So he just wrote this um, thread and said, "This it was a Google Maps image of like, a random street in England somewhere. And he said, oh, this is like a quiet suburban street just outside of whatever city. But according to whatever database, like 50 businesses were registered in four residential houses on that street. And then he digs into them and he's one is owned by someone from Morocco, 30 are owned by someone from France, two are owned by someone in Iran. And it was all these things. And like what they were described as was like wholesale businesses and really vague. And I just thought, what the heck? And then someone said, oh, actually, they're all money laundering fronts. So people might be using our addresses. As, yeah. don't I mean, you just don't know. I don't know. This the the brazenness of it though. It is. And it's cheeky AF, isn't it? I feel like if I'd do, if I tried something like that, I'd get busted so quickly though. Oh, I don't know. Oh my gosh. The worst liar possible here as well. That is, yeah, not a chance, man. Not a chance. God, yeah. I if I don't leave the door open long enough for someone to get through, I'm apologizing profusely and offering <laughs> a kidney. I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let's move on to, there's a question that, I, um, that you put in that I'd be really interested to hear your answer on, which was um, from Nicole Trauma Lama at Trauma Soapboxes. And her tweet was on the 2nd of September. And she said, if you were intubated in the ICU and couldn't communicate, what's the one little thing about you that you'd want the care team to know about? Not something life-saving, something small, unique, a little idiosyncrasy. And for me, it's, I hate it when my skin is dry. Give me lotion, chapstick, now. Do you have something that you'd want people to pay attention to? Uh, so I think I was thinking about this and I was, uh, my friends and I have talked about this from time to time as well. Because, no, interesting. Yeah, I think for me, it was, I, oh God, it's, it's something really boring probably, but I don't know, something to do with maybe listening to something on Spotify. I've got playlists that I just like listening to all the time. Obviously, I'd be like, please play the Two Medics podcast in my absence because <laughs> oh, yeah. I need to still be involved. I've got FOMO. But um, help finish you off. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> like, Beep. Oh, she's flatlined. <laughs> oh, don't let her go. Let her go. She couldn't cope Fair with enough. not being involved anymore. Yeah. <laughs> she her nose was put out of joint. And I don't know, something like, or maybe, maybe like wafting a tuna pizza under my nose from time to time. Oh. Or jamming a tuna pizza down the NG would be most like, appreciated. But what it got me thinking of, so when I said I've, we've talked about this with some of my friends and stuff in the past, was more to do with, obviously, as women, no one in healthcare gives a shit. And we know ourselves when, as, when we look after patients, we don't give a shit how hairy someone's legs are. We don't give a shit that they've not plucked their eyebrows, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've always said that if one of us ends up in ITU, then we'll go in and shave the other person's legs. Shave, oh. wax, wax their mustache, get all those like chin pubes out, all those type of things. But there was there was a joke by Sarah Pascoe years ago, and it still tickles me to this day because essentially she said we should make a team of women who look out for each other 
who go around intensive care units and the such, kind of plucking chin hairs and plucking eyebrows. And do you know what she called it? <laughs> Obviously, in a joke, Dignitash. I thought that was really good. <laughs> that, was, that was nice. So that's, it made me think of that, actually, because I thought that was one of the, apart from the tuna pizza down the NG, I would be most appreciative if someone could get rid, get rid of my face shadows. What would yours be? That's an interesting one. one Not that we I ever think, want either of us to end up there, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously in a completely hypothetical universe. But I think it's good to get those wishes out there, just in case. Yeah, I definitely, just, I know, just to be sure. Yeah, I feel the whole vibe about having... A playlist. I'd probably be happy with listening to the same. I mean, I do just listen to the same stuff and again and again, and I probably wouldn't get tired of it. And I definitely wouldn't like the idea of having the TV on with like random programs that I wouldn't like. If it had Lou Swimming on, for example, oh my God, that's that would like, finish. That's like hell. That would be the finish. That would finish yeah. me off. But I yeah. think of the simple things, yeah, you're right. I hate the idea of being in the NHS underwear, which is the kind oh, of the boggy white. I would not want to be in that. So I want to have my underwear jeans well, at least yeah. every day. Please, uh, God. Nice pair of boxies, yeah. Yeah, Over the exactly. Catheter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God, the catheter. Fine. Anyway, but I want boxer briefs and I want my socks, to, just my underwear to be changed every day because the idea of just being yeah. in grutty, cheap underwear. But no, that's a really good point because you do have sometimes that ITU patient smell, don't you? That it's just yeah. like a little bit musty, a little bit. Like halitosis y, a little bit yeah. dried, bloody, and I don't know. Nobody I just think, it, or just, they? yeah, just spray me with like 90s Charlie body spray. Like, that's better than nothing. Oh, God, Febreze, yeah. even just definitely yeah, Febreze. Just, yeah. just if there's a part of me that's still going in there, yeah, I wouldn't we want to smell pretty. That way. Exactly. And I hate the idea. Oh, my God, I feel like whilst I'm on it, like when you take off a patient's socks and then the kind of all the dust comes out and stuff. Oh, gosh. Like, all those I don't know how that happens. I don't know how yeah. that happens. I feel like that might oh, be something that happens yeah. as you get oh, old like, or something. I don't yeah. know. The yeah, dusty just like feet, you know? foot shed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, whatever it takes to not have that happen. Good. I don't know what that is. You were going to have happens. the most, most moisturised tootsies oh, yeah. in Probably Easter better England. than now. Better than yeah. I have them now. Feel like oh, that, what's that pumice stone, is it? Oh, oh, do you remember that Adikia. foot cheese grater that, was it JML oh, brought out? And it was like, another no, pedi egg. You are telling, you can't tell me you've never heard of the pedi egg. No, what's that? I don't oh, have to Google my. it. Yeah, pedi you egg. do have to Google it. It was. I think it was called pedi egg. And it was literally a cheese grater huh? for your foot. It was the most disgusting thing and you would just grate this cheese grater on god forbid anyone confused that for the parmesan but it would just collect all the foot gratings and then you would just empty the egg in the bin oh my god oh gosh yeah this that's traumatic yeah i i actually sounds about that it's okay i put cocoa butter oil on my feet a bit weird but yeah that's that's good shit man Yeah. yeah yeah i love cocoa butter good shit Anyway, so at least we've got it out there. Interested to hear if um, anyone has any kind of like... Yes, uh, what they wish Kind of out there. Yeah, so please like, tweet at us if you think, if you've got a particular request that you'd like to make we known. We can't promise we'll make it happen, but we will <laughs> endeavour to do our best. Yeah. If, if you're Get in like a 30... On it. Yeah, if you're in a 30 mile radius with Merseyside and your gal. Yeah, just yeah fair up. enough. Yeah, I'll come shave your pubes, don't worry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But only, on, only the chin ones. I don't care about any other ones. <laughs> just the chin ones will do. Yeah, just yeah, the ones yeah, that are on view. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Why are you shaving her face? It's what she would it's, have wanted. It's what she would have wanted. <laughs> okay. 
Why did you put this one in? Oh my god, loudness. This is I have bookmarked to this. Yeah. I have bookmarked this. But do you want to read this out? It fascinated me. Yeah. So I don't know what shit I follow on Twitter man that means that this comes up on my like for you page. But this was this was a tweet by at Fuzzy Mittens, who's the Anna, like the name anesthesiologist, process of deduction. I assume she's an anesthetist and her name might be Anna. Don't quote me on that. But I really, she's got a really good profile. Definitely recommend a follow. And she said, interestingly, this is also true for politicians and surgeons. And it was like a quote or a comment. And it said, the time I learned that the loudness of a howler monkey is relative to the size of its testicles. Researchers found that the smaller the testicles, the louder the monkey. It's it's an amazing fact, which I have bookmarked for... You know when you get like annoying replies to messages? Yeah, I'm for f- future just replying with that. Yeah, I think it's an important kind <laughs> I'm just, of I'm just reading the reply below that said, is that, and then he says in a barely audible whisper, insinuating <laughs> obviously that he's got the biggest ball. Massive balls. <laughs> quick, man. Quick. Love it. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> nice one, mate. It's verified. It must be true. It must be true. Must be true. Oh, there's another question from Mark Gaze which I thought was an interesting one, which said, calling core and specialty trainees, pay aside, what three things would improve your working life? Do you have any thoughts on that one? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one. I feel like this sentiment comes around quite often, doesn't it? And we always say the same kind of things about canteens and parking that doesn't cost the... Three things. ...world and stuff. But yeah, three things. For me, I don't know, maybe... Oh gosh, probably just really simple, sad stuff. So a doctor's office with computers in. So the, where I work at the moment, there is a doctor's office. There is loads of desktops, but then none of them work. And I realize it's because there aren't any actually like internet, like the LAN cable points, the LAN points. So they can't, so they exist, but they just can't be plugged into the network. So that was one. And then I don't know, I'd like a good coffee machine, maybe. I'd even mm-hmm. provide my own coffee. But then I've got an AeroPress now, like I want to be an Wow, check you out. Oh, but actually, no. Do you know what I would like? I would like to have that like karate chop training that I did for psych. I'd like to have that at the beginning of every rotation. (laughs) And that's the best way to get to know your new colleagues. Yeah, that's true, actually. But no, obviously, I jest, yeah. No, joking aside, you're talking about comforts as just like a human being, isn't it? Just having nice coffee and an area to work in that's a bit quiet. I don't think, apparently, these are unrealistic requests in our day-to-day environment, which is what's so sad. There was one that yeah. kind of from Emma Coombe, who's from the BMA, isn't she? And she she wrote, rotor and work schedule on time, access to rest changing, office desk, locker type facilities, and reduced burden of out-of-hours shifts versus in-hours shifts. Just Very like point. simple things, isn't it? Um, yeah. And I like the ones about like how people are saying rotations, if they're going to happen, they should be at least like on a yearly basis, which I think I wouldn't have appreciated that. That's a really good one. Someone mentioned about a central employer, which is what I have now. We have a regional employer, which is not great. But I wondered if there was one massive employer for the UK, how that would work out. Probably still shit, like, to be fair. Yeah, I feel like, do you know, I'd worry that people would get lost in the kind of behemoth. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's the whole thing of like shit business services, wasn't it? It was like, yeah. you would try and phone up someone from Liverpool about your pay slip and it would be someone in Plymouth that would answer and they'd like oh we don't know we're eight hours Access. we don't have anything to do with the hospital but yeah that's where we're based there are some interesting 
relatable complaints in tweets. Do you see the one from Anahita? You read that one. Yeah, yes. This, gosh, this reminded me a lot of F1 as well. So Anahita, Hmm. so at Anahita S, tweeted on the 5th of September. So moved to a different deanery today for higher specialist training. Decided to go for hospital accommodation due to personal circumstances all sorted in advance. Checked in, stained walls, mold behind the bed, flickering lampshades, an overwhelming sense of dreariness and gloom. No functioning Wi-Fi, bleak and bare rooms, old ceramic stoves, a sense of apathy for whoever has to live there, all for a £425 per calendar month per person in a two-person house share. Long story short, I am out of there. Booked a last-minute Airbnb for induction and need to work out housing options away from a very lovely home and partner. Why am I in training again? Which is just the ultimate kicker, isn't it? What's the kind of worst accommodation you've experienced then so f1 was yeah so probably my f1 so I, when i moved to liverpool i'd moved from south wales didn't really know anyone didn't really i think i'd been to liverpool on a couch on a coach sorry for a night out when i was in a placement in north wales it was quite tipsy and that was like my only experience of the city so i wasn't trusting that to figure out like where to live but i thought oh, i don't know anyone i'm just going to go in the hospital accommodation for a couple of months whilst i figure it out Thank goodness one of the nurses I worked with at the time said she had just bought a house and was looking for a hand with a mortgage and I ended up moving in with her. But it was just that exact type of picture. There was no Wi-Fi. It was that. You see those like horrendous pictures of on-call rooms on Twitter Mm. sometimes. It was like that with the thinnest counterpane on top of the bed that was like a rubber mattress. It it was just everything was just gross. And the, the communal bathroom and everything literally just... Oh, it was disgusting. I remember getting there and it was obviously gone a few days before we started and then just sat on this rubber bed, just bawling my eyes out thinking, what the F have I done? But it really made me laugh because there was a girl who was American and she'd come over to the UK to do a foundation program. And she said she only had been to London in the UK. And there's also a place in Liverpool called Kensington. Now, Kensington mm-hmm. in London is obviously quite nice. Kensington and Liverpool, which we call Kenny, is a little little bit different. So different. she could, oh, there's this there's this house for rent in, in Kensington, like I'll get that thinking it was gonna be nice. It's one of the most like roughest areas. Um, she had the shock of her life, like moving from California to, to Kenny was, was a big change. But do you like do you stay in those kind of places when you do your own calls? Because I know you're all over the place, aren't you, from where you're based sometimes? Yeah, so when I was in Ipswich, there was a hospital accommodation that I stayed in very briefly when I moved there. And then well, I remember I was staying there and I was in this tiny, it was like a box room. I can't remember how wide it was, but it literally had a single bed and a spe- like I could barely, I remember like my bags and stuff were like propped up in a corner. It was like, there was space. Oh, if yeah. you were to fit in just single beds in there, you could have fit, you could have fit maybe three single beds in that room. It's so small. And it had an ensuite that literally was like a shower and toilet, but literally... It was so bad that the steam from the shower would get through into the room. It was just awful and moist. And I remember like my girlfriend at the time, um, when she, when I moved and we went into this place, she was like, this is awful. You can't stay here. We need to split up. I'm never coming in. Yeah, yeah she, she was like, I can't visit you like in this place. Like, this is horrible. And I just wonder how, I don't know how it's supposed to be seen as an acceptable place for 
a kind of young professionals like wind down. Uh, it was just really, it's just, yeah. Um, and it's that really whole thing, isn't it? That it's like across the car park of like where you are, and then you're paying all this money for the privilege. And I know it was the whole thing, like in foundation or F1, at least accommodation was free, wasn't it? And, and in mm-hmm. Wales, it, that was the case for a lot longer than it was in England. I don't know if it's still the case now in Wales, but it, I guess it made it, when I visited my friends in Wales who had free accommodation in F1, it made it more bearable that they were all yeah. together. And then they yeah, had yeah, that sure. very social aspect. And to be fair, the accommodations that some of them weren't as bad, I guess, people had like kept them up a bit better because they're being regularly used. But where when I was in Liverpool and I'd started F1 and it was in this absolute crack den, yeah, there's the only way I can describe it. There was lots of IMG doctors that were there and they, they'd moved their families over. So there was like husbands and wives and children living in this and I just thought how bleak is that for that this to be like your first base when you move to the UK yeah, yeah. I have to say so I'm at the Royal Papworth I can't oh. just say Papworth that's, the Royal that's, Pap- that's me puffing on ah. me pipe yeah nice it's they it is like a new hospital so the encore rooms there are quite like big and they seem quite nice they still have the kind of NHS furniture in them but they are at least clean and not like from the 50s or whatever. But yeah, from so, this century. I, I, yeah, exactly. So I can't complain too much. I felt really bad for her. I hope she goes found somewhere regular that... Yeah, I hope it works out because I think it obviously sounds like she's moved away from her family and her other home for specialist training, which we think is not the panacea, but that's what we feel like we should do, isn't it? If we're involved in a specialty, it should be that you're committed and that you have to travel to where the number is and stuff, but... Again, it's just, it's not fair, man. Yeah. I think there's, on the kind of flip side, though, you linked a thread from Neil Durant about really positive kind of training experience, out of training experience. Do you want to redo that? Yes, this was by Niall Durant. um, And this was from the 4th of September. Got quite a lot of engagement. It's a really good thread, actually, for everyone to look at, whether it's, you know, whether you're from a junior point of view, whether you're from a doctor Mm. who's thinking I'm a bit burned out, or even from higher educator point of view as well. Niall said, tomorrow I re-enter Pete's training after a year out doing the best job I've ever had. And he essentially wrote a thread about what what he'd learned. So he went on to say that he was close to burnout, both personally and professionally, was in a general Pete's training program, just couldn't imagine going into another couple of years of that. And then had a child on the way and stuff and you just it's all it's all relatable isn't it it's all those kind of personal circumstances that as a doctor you're a human and you still have those but then we have to contend with this whole like rotational training so he said he took a job as a clinical teaching fellow and the job kind of had fantastic colleagues supportive management um really good attitudes towards self-development and the, the thread is actually quite long it's oh it's 20 treats now that i've looked yeah, at it and i think it's incredible because it's really sad in the way that some of these things are the most basic things that you think oh why isn't every job like that but it's he just put it in a way that I don't know I felt like felt quite encouraged by it and it's yeah. oh no this we do deserve this someone's yeah. saying actually this could be better and I think that's hopeful sometimes when you're in that like bit of a funk but was there anything from that stood out for you or anything that he said was particularly good I think I liked that he said that he had space to say yes to stuff. And before that, when he was in training, he said, I just felt like I had so much on my shoulders, right? And that he couldn't. 
and yeah. just and I think just being a, being in an environment where he was he said that amongst other colleagues they were all trusted to just dictate what they did with their time and just that in itself gave him some freedom to express himself creative creative creatively and God I don't know why I can't say that word. But anyway, he did a whole load of different kind of talks that seemed to expand and then he redesigned guidelines. It was just it sounded really inspiring in a in the sense that people put trust in them and then that's and then they were very productive as a result. And I just think if people bemoan the lack of productivity of trainees academically or whatever, or they don't come up with new ideas and stuff. And it's they're just busy just trying to survive, just trying to for me, manage the community to work and trying to fit in aspects of their life like paying the tax bill, yeah. paying the bill or making sure their car insurance is paid on time and making sure that they've done all the exams and all the kind of requirements for their portfolio and past the year. They're just trying to manage all those things whilst also being treated like utter children when they're at work. And perhaps if you take a, if you treat them more like adults and trust them to use their time, to yeah. use their own agency. You know, yeah, so that that's so. it to like say, it's that infantilizing thing again, isn't it? That kind of whole... Mm your adult learners now and it's so annoying because it's like no actually like you say that but then you also what you said don't trust us to use any of our own agency and for us to manage our own time and stuff and he talking about the, the coffee machine he's saying that they had their own space they had an office they even had a separate office for like where they needed to go to private meetings or teaching sessions they took pride in their space they after it they had house plants they had tea and coffee and it that was not those NHS beige four walls with Windows XP running computers that <laughs> yes. there's no no internet cable. It, and it's oh gosh, it just winds me up because it's so bloody basic. Another thread that I wish I'd interacted with, and I'm very pleased that you linked it, was one from Cecilia Watson. So her handle's at more fluids, and she said, What feedback has stuck with you despite trying to shake it? I'm talking unintentional negative type, a one-off comment, etc. I recently suggested we should be gentle with our feedback and lavish with our praise. I've been inspired by the book, No More Feedback. And I was just wondering if you, there are a few kind of good responses to that. I was once told by one doctor that I saw patients too slowly. It's remained with me forever. It's that. It sounds, I think people don't estimate like the power of their words, don't they? And I know people have had discussions before about there shouldn't be feedback unless there's some sort of like solution or mentorship yeah. or I think this of you, but let's like focus on this together. And one of the things for me was in neurosurgery, gosh, there's many actually, let's do a whole other episode for that. But <laughs> in, in neurosurgery, one of the ones that was said was, you're not arrogant enough. You don't have pointy enough elbows. And it just didn't twig. And I was like, what does this mean? The first part, you're not arrogant enough. Like, how is that an insult? But then yeah. also I realize that they're saying you're not competitive in the way that if my team were operating, I'd go to those lists, but I'm not going to throw a colleague into the bus and go over them and do their lists as well. And it was this whole, I'm a trainee, I've got a number, there should be enough opportunities for everyone. Otherwise, why is there a training number here? But it was that kind of, I don't know, I've not been competitive for a long, long, for many years. Like that just went out of me and like medical school and stuff, definitely. And it's that whole, I'm on a training program, I'm engaging, I'm doing what I should. Like, why isn't yeah. that enough? And yeah. it's, why do you have to um, take out everyone else? Why does yeah, it have to like, be like a zero sum? Why does it have like, to be a fight? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the whole insult on your personality as well, isn't it? You're not arrogant enough. 
I'm sorry, I don't mean this for this to be like a therapy session, but funnily enough, in GP training, a supervisor criticized, again, my personality, which is so bloody annoying. This time they were talking to me about reflections and saying something that they just didn't like how I reflected essentially. And they felt like I should reflect in other ways. So that peed me off because I was like, it's very personal. I am learning from this. But essentially their argument was, I can see your personality in these reflections. You strike me as very compassionate and justice orientated. And I was like, yes, you've got me correct. And they were like, no, but that's a problem. And I was like, what? Yeah, okay. I don't want to be arrogant. I, this, and it was this whole, and they didn't say it was a problem, but they said, I can't remember exactly what words it was, but it was insinuated that, no, this is not, I, not that's fine. being a success. Or yeah. And I just said, that's who I, I was very ballsy. I was like, look, I'm just going to have to stop you there because nice. that's me and I cannot change that and I don't want to change it. But then they were like, oh, but there's other aspects that you need to be interested in. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. But. Don't criticize it by personality, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. have you, have you had anything like that just yeah. peeved you? Oh my God, loads. I think, as you say, in cardiology, I think we, it's funny because I think one of my colleagues after, after a difficult day some time ago, I remember she was messaging me and I was saying, to be like an interventional cardiologist, they expect you to have done a thousand PCIs to be good at it or whatever. And, but how much? How vigorous, one would consider that to be a very vigorous training, but how yeah. much, how vigorous is the training that we get in teaching people? It's not vigorous enough at all. You, you just, mm. cardiology and all these different specialties, it's just littered with people here, uh, te- talented doctors, but terrible teachers. And oh my gosh, I've had so much feedback that there's literally, there's a feedback, literally it's just like criticism, but under that, with the yeah. different, re- a terrible is, rebranding. Yeah. Is feedback just failed being a D-I-C-K, does it give you the authority to just insult someone? Yeah. Like, how is it, how is telling someone or your person, you need to like, your personality. Yeah, there needs to be more to your personality wrong. than yeah, caring like, about people and what's right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, how's that any different from me? Like, you need to be a bit taller. With, yeah, it is. Cra- and it, um, it reminds me, actually, it's just, there's another one just come to my mind. So apologies for going on this rant, but. I don't know. I think I saw a tweet by Ju a couple of weeks ago, Julia, and uh, it was about something about what obviously we call rest, resting bitch face and how it was something to do with like neurodivergent and stuff. But have you ever been criticized for that? And I actually got into trouble in, in medical school because I was on my like, year three GP rotation or something and it was four, four medical students in one practice. And I felt like I was engaging. I was enjoying what I was doing. I was taking everything in. I was seeing patients, whatever, everything that was asked of me. And then the supervisor there or the tutor there pulled me aside and said, you need to change your attitude. This is just not really appropriate. What? And he said, oh, you're just coming across because that you just that you look really fed up. You just don't want to engage with the rest of the team. You look like you don't give a damn about anything. What? And I was like, I don't know these people, like the, the other students here, like I'm getting to know them on my placement. I'm engaging that's just my face that this is this is just how it looks but then that's on your on your placement log your feedback yeah like like you say it's all to do with things that are just you and it's like a personal attack isn't it yeah yeah and it's also that it just says a lot about their own kind of perception of the judgment they've they've made a kind of judgment based on some and it's obviously wrong and they've and they've just totally misappropriated your demeanor it's really peculiar i remember once actually i was walking onto the ward 
And I remember a nurse had said something and I don't know what she'd said. I didn't, hadn't even heard her. And she's like, don't smirk about it. And I was like, I haven't even heard what you said. So I don't even yeah. know. But this what is, you, yeah. This is just, and a number of times I've had people say, oh, like you look lost and stuff. And I literally deadpan is, that's just like my facial expression. I just, yes. I can't help that my face looks a certain lines. And I think yeah. that is a comment you made about resting yeah. face. Isn't that when people unmask and they yeah. just happen to... That, yeah. And I think sometimes when I do cat myself, I find you feel that tension in your forehead and you're obviously frowning like I'm doing now <laughs> yeah. and you don't quite realise it. And then when you relax, you're like, oh my God. But then also <laughs> yeah. that is just you. I don't see like why that should be taken personally by another person. But it's, are they insinuating that you want me to just walk around like some clown smiling yeah, yeah eyes definitely. wide open because i'm sure that would be bloody terrifying more than yeah. this half scowl that i seem to have on my face permanently that's so funny actually because that reminds me of a time not that long ago where a nurse said to me oh chirp you just oh, seem really he- miserable being on call and i was a bit like it's been busy and stuff and she's like i don't think it's really nice that you're acting this way and i'm like what do you want me to do do you want me to hide my discomfort for you is essentially what you want me to do. You want me to place you want me to, your yeah, feelings. I'll do, it. I'll do a dance. Do you want me to do a dance? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Over. I'm sorry that I don't appear to be having a great time, but that's just you know how it is. I have, but it's just it's peculiar, isn't it? How people then value their own discomfort over. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so lots of examples of that. Bless her. She, Sathina goes on to say, as a child, comments about my nose, skin color, and hair still impact today. With those well-intentioned ones, being told not good enough for O-levels, uni, etc. to aim lower. It's like when people say, like, I've always been like a, a big girl, but when they say things like, oh, she's got a nice personality and things like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's just, just, yeah, people are telling on themselves, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. We're coming close to time. Were there any particular topics that you wanted to mention before we go over the last one? No, I think there was a lot this week, wasn't it, about, and we spoke about what would matter to people in terms of making their life better and accommodation. And there was like, there would seem to be a few tweets about you have to be a certain level to speak to someone. It was that whole registrar and above thing. I just feel like sometimes I love, even though it's with a similar type of tweet all the time, I I love it because it validates me and I realise, oh, it's not just me that's having a, you know, a really shit time or it's not just me that's the problem or whatever. You just think, not that it makes it any more acceptable or appropriate, but it's something to do with that common, like, we're all in the shit kind of thing, isn't mm, it? Yeah, fair enough. There was a tweet from my from my former boss, Prof. Vas Vasiliou. He linked a video, do you still call him a, a clip, of a gastroenterologist so. doing an endoscopy on herself. She's doing it's really OGD. gross. Yeah, and OGD. Yeah. So, like, um, she also so looks, the... her eyes look terrified. They don't, they? They're really wide. Horrible. I would not be able to do this. I would not. I don't think I'd be happy with someone else doing this. I think I'd need to be like fully. I've had an OGD once. I had a nice little, yeah, I had a nice smidgen of midazolam. And to be fair, it was bloody, the midaz was beautiful. Was it? Which recommend that recreationally. But if there's ever any uh, OGD on the horizon, just ask for the midaz. And I remember I'd gone there after, I'd had to have the OGD for the whole celiac stuff and I'd gone after a night shift. So I was already a bit dazed. But it was that whole got had cannula in on the bed, bit of my dad's, and then I just vaguely remember something happening and then the next no, thing I, I knew I was in recovery. So it was oh, just it was yeah, bliss. That's good. Fair enough. 
I certainly would not be able to. I'm too squeamish to do something. Like... She's standing up. She even does a weird little dance at some point. The video is always is sped up. I wonder, oh, is she just wiggling her hips to try and get the scope into a different place? I don't know how that, that works. But God. she's she's just, she's got the mouth guard in and she's literally just ramming oh, yeah. that yeah. scope down her esophagus, watching it on a screen so she can redirect. She's looking towards the camera. She's smiling. I just... Mm. She's either hard as nails or just something's not right. I don't oh, know yeah. how else it is. That gag reflex. Really yeah. Because right. I can't just, even brush uh, my teeth, you know. I, know. I feel <laughs> sick just looking at it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But anyway, I want for you guys to check out. Like for TOEs. Don't like, try this at home. Don't try, try this at home, home. guys. I feel yeah, like we yeah, need yeah. to get that disclaimer in. We're not getting sued <laughs> for this. Sure. Yeah, fair enough. Allegedly. Go on, sorry. Right, so yeah, allegedly. allegedly. For two reasons, like one of the bosses says, oh, it's just trying to swallow a large boiled sweet, which I think is oh, a, that feels a, a, bit, a lie. That feels a bit gaslighty, doesn't it? Where you, like, yeah, convince, yeah, exactly. you, you tell yourself that to make you feel better that you're doing this to someone. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Thank you so much again, Bethan, for, for doing this with me. It's, uh, oh, no, thank you, man. Fun. It's a um, nice little treat. Yes. And thank you to everyone who's listening. And do you want to leave with... A message for the audience? Yes. If you haven't tried tuna on pizza yet, do that first. <laughs> but yep. secondly, if you ever find yourself in need of an OGD, accept the sedation and let a yep. qualified professional do it. Do not yep. do that yourself. And I'm not even going into colonoscopies. There is no need for a self-colonoscopy. No need. Too much, yeah. Don't be a hero. Take the sedation. Get out. Yeah, don't be, yeah, don't be a hero. Get a medal for being a hero. Cool. And we'll it and put it on Twitter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You get a few retweets and a few likes. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye bye.